Can you hear me? Is it coming through? It's connected. Hello. 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 Um, firstly, um, thank you um, to John for having me again. Um, it's re reassuring. I've preached once before here, and it couldn't have been that bad for him to invite me back again. Um, so I'm very, very honoured to be to be here to speaking in front of you this morning. Um, if you haven't met me, met me before, my name is Phil. Um, I'm a regular member here. Uh, I'm quite honestly more comfortable sitting there behind, hiding behind the sound desk than in front of you speaking today. Um, but um, part of me being here is to reassure you is that um, at OCC, and, and John has a lot of grace with who he, in, who he invites up here, uh, you don't need a dog collar to come and stand at the front. Um, God uses everyone despite our situations, despite our training, despite our backgrounds. Um, so you could find yourself up here very, very shortly. Uh, um, saying that, instead of a dog collar, I've decided to grow a beard to impart some wisdom. Um, unfortunately, I don't have um, the grey tinges that John's supporting to show, <laughs> showing his wisdom. So you, as, as he sort of stands here on, uh, on a Sunday morning, you can see his wise due to his grey locks. Um, and... Uh, if you, uh, I've been surprised that I'm, I, I don't do this, but God has just been re reinforcing this word um, that I've had this morning during the worship. Um, we basically just sung my entire preach, uh, so I, I could sit, sit down straight away. Um, but that sort of outward appearance of what we look like is what I want to touch on today, because we're talking about identity. And um, this, uh, I felt uh, God put this on my heart for a number of reasons. Um, it kind of, uh, God was speaking to me through John's um, Embrace the Space series uh, about where, where, where our heart is. Is it based on what, what the world values or is it based on what God holds about us? Um, and all of these sermons are on, online. All of, uh, we record all, all of the sermons. So um, if you haven't checked out Embrace the Space series, um, I'd, or you, if you were there, I'd recommend checking them out again. They are superb, um, so I'd encourage you to do that. Um, more personally, I've been sort of struggling with who I am. Um, it's quite very, very easy for me to get wrapped up into the, the world, what the world views of me, sort of who I am at work, how, how my friends see me, um, my sort of like longing to be liked by the world and by my friends. And so I needed to go back and to see who I really was and what God was, was, was telling me who I was. Um, and our identity is a funny concept. Um, I've got a picture of my friend's uh, business card, for example. Um, he worked for a German company. And so this, he got given this card, and it doesn't have his job title on it. It just has his education. So I imagine he goes around. He is the master of mathematics in his job. He, has, he is a superhero and has the power to control mathematics. Um, but it's interesting, a business card is, is an interesting concept, is it? It sort of gives a, a stranger a glimpse of who we are, sort of the design of one, what it's got, what, you know, what um, information we give, how we can be contacted. It, sort of, it's a, it is a sort of a small version of our identity. So what's on your business card? What's, what would you uh, say you, who you are to a stranger? Would it have your job on? Is that the, the main thing about you? Or your education, like Sam's business card up there? Would it be your family life, where you live, what house you live in, who your friends are, or what you do as a hobby or an interest? A, 
common question in my circles when meeting new people is, what do you do? Um, as in, what do you do for a living? Um, and these questions aren't necessarily wrong to, wrong to ask people. I personally get a lot of joy out about finding out what people do for a job. Um, as part of my job is to, to work with different businesses, so I find it quite interesting to find how different businesses work and what people do for a living. But the issue is, is that the questions normally stop there, as if that's, I've asked you that one question, and now I know everything I need to know about you based on your job. Uh, oh, you, you're a barista. I know exactly, I know everything about you now. That defines exactly who you are. But does what we do for a living, or what our family like, life is like, or where we live, does that totally define us? I'm, a, I'm a, a business analyst for a software company, but when I walk through the door at home, am I still a business analyst? Does that totally represent who I am and what I do? Um, I've been married to Jess for nearly three years now, um, but I wasn't married before. I was single before. Um, and I know I'm probably potentially a bit tidier than what I was when I was single. Um, <laughs> a tiny bit, a tiny bit. Um, but did, did my identity instantly change the moment I said those vows? Did that fundamentally change who I am? And hopefully I'm sort of becoming, sort of, I'm sort of aspiring to be a better husband day in, day out. But did that really change who I was in that moment just by, you know, changing, changing your name or, or changing your title? Um, and, and this is really um, the sort of the worldly view of this in terms of, of how people get their identity is really demonstrated. And Jess and I have been devouring um, a Mad Men box set, which is about advertising agency in the, in the 1960s, a fantastic program. Um, and one of the older characters in the film is let go. He embarrasses himself in front of everyone. Um, they, they see he's a liability, and so they decide to give him a six-month leave of absence. And uh, they sort of go out to sort of commiserate him and sort of cheer him up before he's sort of pushed out of the firm. And at the very end, before he gets into the cab, he says, if I don't go into that office every day, who am I? And at that point, everyone, and sort of the, the 60s and, and the 70s, that period, what you did for a living, that was your identity and there was nothing, nothing else to it. And I, I feel like we're potentially getting, the society is getting a bit more complex these days and potentially there's a, a bit more about our identity and some people reject the sort of the, the, the roles that are potentially forced upon them. But I've really been struggling with that sentiment recently. Sort of I've been wrapped up in who I, what my job is and who I am um, more as a professional, as sort of a member of the middle class, uh, eating hummus for lunch on Sunday. This is a fantastic example that John normally gives of being middle class. But um, what could God say if, I, if, if my identity wasn't wrapped up in my job and I was looking elsewhere? What could, do, what, what could God do if I was willing to leave my job, if that wasn't part of my identity? If I didn't try and cling on to that with all I have? Could my fear of losing my identity in my job stop me from pursuing what God actually has for me? Um, and I, that's, God's been sort of challenging that um, to me. And um, I haven't necessarily been sort of... Um, challenge to, to directly leave my job to do that, but it is, it's definitely what my heart attitude is to my job and why God's, you know, reminding why I'm, why I'm in the job. I'm, I'm not in the job for my identity, I'm in the job for God's purposes. Um, and it doesn't have to be your job. So um, there are many people that put their identity in being English. So today is St. George's Day. 
Um, it goes a bit further than praying for the rugby team in the Six Nations. Um, people who have little else to rely on will then championship, champion their identity and being English above all else, as if that's, you know, that's who really they are, that, that's what they define them. But other than defining what country you're born in, being English doesn't really mean very much. Um, if you pick two English people off the street, they'll probably have more differences than they'll have similarities. So although like, historically it potentially could de def define more about you, these days it doesn't really mean much anymore. Um, and especially with the um, upcoming election and the political tribalism, um, who you, people see who you vote for as your identity, and they can judge you based on who you vote for. Um, these external things that we, that we do for a job or the people we vote for or where we're born, they're external things that people use to define us or labels. These are labels applied to us. And they don't really define our identity, though. Um, in Galatians 3, 26 to 29, um, if you'd like to, uh, it'll be on the screen, but uh, feel free to turn to it. Um, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So to set the scene, um, Paul is writing a letter to the Galatian, uh, to the churches in Galatia, a province in modern day, which is now modern day Turkey. Um, and uh, they're Gentile Christians, not Jews. So after staying with them previously, and Paul was, was uh, preaching amongst them, Paul then left them. And some Jewish, Jewish Christians then came to them and said, oh, you need to forget what Paul was teaching. You need to follow the, the old Jewish customs. You need to become circumcised. You need to uh, f follow, the, follow the law to the letter as opposed to the spirit of the law. So Paul's letter back to the, to the Galatians was trying to destroy the Jewish Christians' arguments to say, no, you don't need to do these, do these things that these Jewish Christians were saying that you needed to do. Um, and so in one sentence, Paul eliminates the three largest categories or labels that you could have at the time, the, the things that were your identity in those days. Um, when he says you're no longer Jew or Gentile, they were probably the largest categories of the day. It was pretty clear which camp you're in. If you're a Jew, you were called to be set apart. You, um, you, the, the males couldn't um, shave parts of their beard. Uh, you had to wear, wear certain things. You were visually distinct from the Gentiles. So someone could instantly gather your, your uh, identity based on what you look like. Um, secondly, if you're a slave in those times, uh, you had a hole in your ear. So when he says you're ne neither slave nor free, um, you were instantly visible. You were stopped from the actions that you could do based on what your master permitted. Um, and thirdly, the gulf between uh, male and female, men and women, was huge. Um, the really only identities that women could hold were as wives or mothers. Uh, or if you didn't conform to any of those, you were outcast and, and separated from the rest. And it was, wasn't possible to do anything different in those, in those days. So Paul is saying in this, in this passage, throw off these labels. You're no longer bound by them, thanks to the blood of Jesus. Instead, you're children of God, and that's your one true identity. And I probably should end the sermon there, considering we just sang how we are children of God. We sang it over and over again. I feel that's what God's saying to us this morning. I think that's, that's, that's quite important.
But I, this, I think this, this makes sense, and it doesn't quite stop there, because I'd like to unpack slightly what being a, a child of God is. And so if we look around us in the room, the identity, the true identity of an object is normally dictated by their purpose. So I can say this, the identity of this, this is a chair, because its primary purpose is to give someone a place to sit. That's its purpose. That's why, why it's created. I can say the guitar behind me was made to be played. It's an instrument. Hence, you know, that's why it gets its identity from, by how it's used. Now, I've learned very, very brief for the purposes of this sermon that this is called a kajon. I'll not play it to spare you from my awful timing. I don't have a musical bone in my body. But what if I said to you, if you came in and, and, I, and I said, oh, hey, here's a chair to sit on. The kajon is designed as an, as an instrument. Its, um, its purpose is to be played. So if I started selling these as chairs, the person that made the instrument said, no, hold on. It's an instrument. It's not a chair. It's not designed to, be, to just be sat on. It's designed to be played. That's its purpose. That's its calling. The identity of an object is not changed from what's given by its creator, even when, it's, even when we use it differently. So you often see um, quite a common thing is to have um, put flowers in a watering can. It, just because you put flowers in a watering can doesn't make it a vase. It's still a watering can. It's being used for a different purpose. Um, it's quite, also quite trendy to have um, cocktails in jam jars. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't make it a glass. It's still a jam jar. Um, so to see who we really are, we need to go back to our creator. What did our creator say about us? What's our purpose, and therefore our identity? Um, and um, again, another confirmation. Um, there was a passage in Isaiah 43 that David uh, read out today. Um, again, it will appear on the screen. Um, so Isaiah 43, starting in chapter 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. And bring, bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now here, God is speaking about his chosen people, the, the Jewish people. But at the very end of the, of the passage, he says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. And that started off with Abraham being called by, by God. But the, the natural sort of Jewish um, tradition passed down by generation, by birth of, of physical offspring. We're not, we're not part of that lineage naturally, but we're called by God into that through what Jesus did on the cross. And so we ourselves are also created to glorify God. 
And this is what um, uh, Paul is talking about when he's talking about being heirs uh, according to the promise and us being of Abraham's seed. God's uh, sort of plan uh, to sort of to, to glorify him was through, um, through the Jewish people. And then through the blood of Jesus, we are then entered, accepted into that, accepted into God's family and as children of God, created for his glory and nothing else. Jesus died for us, bringing us into God's plan and bringing salvation to the whole earth just as he originally promised Abraham. So Jesus died so that God's glory could be revealed in us as his children. My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad's the bravest. My dad's the best. Our identity is to declare how good God is. And uh, it's, not, it's not just our words. And coming together on a Sunday and, saying, and, and singing his praises is only half of the equation. It's a vital part of it. You know, God calls us to come together and to, to praise his name and to, to pray without ceasing um, and to glorify him and to, to see, to go out into his world and to see, see the nature that he created that speaks of his glory. But it's not just through our words. It's through our actions as well and through our deeds. We have Christ living in, in us due to what Jesus did on the cross. And we share, therefore, as God's children, we share in God's DNA if Christ is truly living within us. Um, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and this is part of um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Who's ever heard, oh, you're just like your father? <laughs> Jess uh, catches uh, a lot of my, my mannerisms are from my dad, sort of picked up through um, habit. Um, and we should be catching each other. Um, Embracing the mannerisms of God. We should be, you know, you're just like your heavenly father. I can see God exactly in you. We have a good, good father up in heaven. And he, that goodness should be shown through us, his children. Um, John had a fantastic picture on his uh, Embrace the Space series. He brought in a mirror. Uh, and part of that was um, our image in terms of what we, who we saw we were. Looking in the mirror and saying and seeing God, um, God's image in the mirror, not our not our own image. And I want to take that picture one step further, and say our identity is the mirror. We are reflecting God's glory constantly, so that when someone sees us, they don't see us, they don't see our external labels, they see God's glory through us. But what's interesting is that we don't. Um, a, a mirror sort of only works like that way when it's sort of pointing in forty-five degree angle. So we can't be totally praising God's name all the time because no one will no one will see us if we lock ourselves away and say, oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna join a monastery and uh, and worship your name always. No one will see who God is through that. But and again, but if we're just focused in front, focused on the world and focused on what the world sees, they won't see God. It's only with that angle of 45 degrees that we're reflecting God's glory. 
Our actions do not define who we are. We're not products of our actions, but our actions are a product of who we are. It's, it doesn't, doesn't work both ways. It works one way. Our identity informs our actions. Our actions aren't informed by our, our actions don't inform our identity. So as we go out from today, back to our jobs, the labels may still be there, but we know who we are and what we're really here for. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that we, you know, to, to join a monastery and to, to praise his name, continue, to, to praise his name continually, locking ourselves away from the world. We are in the world, not of it, and that's an important distinction. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 10:31 says, "So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God." And this is Paul settling another argument um, about what uh, Jewish Christians telling people not to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Again, so they're saying, you know, this is the way to this is the way to, to God by not eating certain meat. But he's saying it doesn't matter if you eat meat sacrificed to idols or not. That's under the blood of Christ now. You're no longer under those old laws. But whatever you do, make sure you're doing it for the, your one purpose, your true purpose, and your true identity. So today, um, this morning, I'd like to amplify that verse a bit. So whether you work as a plumber, take time off to be a mum, do it all for the glory of God. So whether you go watch rugby in the pub, or devour a box set of madmen, do it all for the glory of God. So whether you vote a certain way, or you vote in a different way, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat hummus for lunch, or McDonald's, do it all for the glory of God. Um, so I'd like to conclude with a, a quote from uh, Brennan Manning. He um, famously uh, wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. Define yourself as one radically loved by God. This is your true self. Every other identity is an illusion. So as I'm wrapping up, we're going to go into a time of glorifying God um, by remembering how much he loves us and what he did for us on the cross um, and taking communion together. Thanks, Phil. That's great. Just being reminded of who we truly are. Children of God. Let's just close our eyes, shall we? You know, to become a child of God, you are purchased at a price. You were purchased with a price because the Father is passionate for you. And the price was to send himself in human form, in the form of Jesus, the Son of God. Lived a sinless life. Live the, live the life that God requires us to be able to come into his presence because nothing of sin can come into the presence of God because he's holy. And Jesus lived that life and died the death that we deserve, the death of a sinner. He died that death so we could claim his identity 
and we could walk the path that he trod into the presence of the Father. So our identity shifts. Our identity shifts from being sinners to being sinners saved by grace. And as Jesus is on that cross, it says in John 19, he cries out, It is finished. It is finished. Some of you need to hear that this morning. The battle of who you are, of whose you are, it is finished. The cross is enough. What, even for me and that? Yes, the cross is enough. And as Phil's reminded us, he's made the way for us to become his children. Not through your striving, not through your ability and obedience, but through Christ, who said, not my will, but yours be done. So we could all gain that inheritance. The word used for it is finished. It's a Greek word that just means paid in full. And it was often stamped on receipts. They found the ancient manuscripts, ancient receipts, where it's got this word stamped on it, paid in full. Guys, you've been bought with a price and it's all been paid in full. That's your new identity. It's been paid in full. And so we can come around communion this morning. And the stamp over your life is paid in full. A child of God and it's been paid in full. Everything you've done, everything you're doing, everything you will do, it's paid in full. And to him, the one who loved us, who has set us free from our sins at the cost of his blood. Since Jesus purchased you with his blood, we should recognize the fact that we're no longer in control of our own lives. We've been bought with a price and we are now under the lordship of the master of Jesus Christ. It's like Phil said, everything we do is for his glory now. Absolutely everything. So we're going to gather around and we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion because it reminds us of the price that's been paid. Reminds us of his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And it reminds us of his body that was broken. church just isn't this attitude I just ask you just just start to pray to God wherever you're at with him this morning whether you would consider your identity as being paid in full I am fully on fire for him I am I'm going for God it's all about him everything I do is for his glory or whether you're just like I ain't sure I encourage you this moment is a moment for those that have said yes to him who acknowledge their identity is now in the master's hands if you're not in that place, give you an opportunity right now. Right now in this moment. 
as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Gone opportunity. He has made it the most simple thing in the world. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Your identity can shift in a moment because of all that he's done. So in this moment, if, if your identity is unsure, if you don't know where you stand before God, but you want to and you want to say, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. Do you know when I became a Christian, I wasn't a church leader? When I became a Christian, I hadn't read the Bible the whole way through. When I became a Christian, I didn't understand it all. But I knew in my heart there's something here that I've got to give myself to. So in this moment, if you know that's you, then I just encourage you, I'm going to do something really simple, just count to three, and I ask, as every eye is closed, just raise your hand and put it straight back down. This is just as an outward, it's like when we raise our hands in worship, but we do so much in church that is, is internal between us and God, and this just solidifies that internal transaction that's taking place where you're saying, yeah, I'm going to make that decision right now to follow you. So as a count to three, just raise your hand and put it straight back down. One, God loves you. Two, he's made the way. Three, just raise your hand. Amen. You can put your hands straight back down. God, I thank you. I thank you. The Lord, we in this room that acknowledge who you are. Lord, we are your children. And right now, for those that have just raised your hand, just quietly. Maybe just under your breath or even internally, just pray, Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that it has made a way. I thank you that I am now your child. I thank you that my sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've taken them away. And I acknowledge now, I encourage you just say this under your breath or just say this privately to yourself. I, Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord of my life. I am yours, but with a price. And church, right now, as we just take communion, we acknowledge that price that has been paid. So I'm going to invite you, those that love the Lord Jesus, Maybe this is the first time you've taken communion. It's that, that moment, decision a minute ago. You can come forward. You can come forward. You can take the cup and you can take a bread. We've got plenty of bread this morning. So you can take a big chunk to say, do you know what? Not only am I just peckish because it's getting towards lunch, but your blood and your body are enough. They are more than enough. So we're just going to sing a song. I just encourage you, just in your own time during this closing song, just make your way forward and then we're going to close in prayer. And then those that want to be part of walking with Jesus can make their way upstairs. But just make your way forward.